Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready, so let us begin. So we start the Mandalorian off with a beeping, and it is the Mandalorian, he's using a tracker, he's on an icy planet, he heads into a bar uh, where there's a guy getting beaten up, and uh, by opening the door, he knocks over a drink, that guy shifts his focus to the Mandalorian, he starts picking a fight with him, he realizes, oh, that's real nice Beskar armor, and we start to learn who the Mandalorian is. He beats the living hell out of the guy, essentially kills his friend, uh, knocks him out, uh, and then approaches the guy that they were beating up. This is the bounty that he has been sent out to retrieve. And so he takes this little blue, strangely earthly looking alien uh, onto his ship. The guy talks too much. He uses the bathroom. Uh, he proves to be a little bit um, untrustworthy. So indeed, Mando takes him back to Carl Weathers, who is in charge of uh, assigning all of these bounties for people like Mando. Yes, so Mandalorian unloads his ship, the Razorcrest, where all of his bounties have been frozen in carbonite. Uh, the Grief Karga, he actually provides Mandalorian payment. The Mandalorian takes said payment um, and uh, goes to the client that he has for his new mission. This is a client that's unlisted. He's not going to be getting a fob. He has to go and directly speak to the client. Uh, the client says that the target is 50 years old, and we realize that this client is ex-Imperial. He has stormtroopers guarding him, uh, and he wants something important. So I feel like I'm missing the next stage, because of course he sets out to retrieve... Yes, yeah, so the next stage being is after he discusses in full with the client, he gets a down payment of Beskar. Right. And so that down payment of his heritage uh, metal that you mine from Mandalore and that they build their armor from, he then takes it to an underground kind of Mandalorian club, uh, which where there's an armorer who, who makes uh, a new shoulder pad for him. And then he sets off to the planet where he intends to retrieve his next assignment. Uh, but first he meets up with... Nick Nolte's character, it's going to be a little while before I know everybody's names. I know that we've Kuel. seen the whole season. Kuel, um, who is kind of giving him the lay of the land, kind of warning Mando about what he's going to need to know and do before he actually sets off to do what he came to do. So he gives him a lesson in how to ride a blurg, um, gives him a little bit of regional advice, uh, kind of serves as a bit of an opportunity to expose a little bit about what the Mandalorian race is. Um, or rather the philosophy of the Mandalorians. Um, and so then he indeed goes to infiltrate the base where uh, is hidden his um, his assignment. But of course, he is headed off by other bounty hunters. Yes. So as he's scouting the place out, he realizes there's dozens of pirates guarding this particular asset. Uh, and then a bounty droid, IG-11, comes in and starts wrecking shop, uh, ultimately taking out a bunch of people. Uh, Mandalorian goes in and ultimately states himself as, oh, I'm part of the guild as well. They have a discussion over who's in assignment. And then they team up when they realize that there are dozens of more pirates still there. They're completely outnumbered. IG-11 keeps trying to self-destruct because he thinks they're going to be totally blown to smithereens. Mandalorian gets him to not do that. Uh, the Mando jumps on the back of a Gatling gun, takes out all the rest of them, and then they have to go behind uh, one final doorway uh, to get to where the asset lies. Right. And, of course, then we uh, get to meet the biggest star of the year. Absolutely. 
who is, uh, I mean, you, the last time we talked about this episode on this podcast, you were like really adamant that we refer to this creature as a yodeling. And that might still be technically ideal. But, but the name Baby Yoda. Look, has... yodeling did not catch on. No, well, I'm, I'm pissed that Baby Yoda specifically the name has caught on so yeah. much because it's like, I mean, they couldn't have expected the name and all of it i mean yes they expected it to be a hit but not to this degree and so waiting until season two to give us the name of uh baby yoda versus the mandalorian i mean i think we'd all trade knowing baby yoda's name over mandalorian's name at this point well i have a couple of i have a couple of responses to that one why change the pacing of your story just in case people start calling him Baby Yoda and you don't want that. No, I know. But it, it, there is this this show does have a problem that Star Wars has never had. Yes. And that is everyone in Star Wars is a character. Mm -hmm. Everyone in Star Wars who doesn't have a name even has names. That's true. There are so many characters in the show who do not have names. So many. Right. Uh, the Mithral at the start, he does not have a name anywhere okay and like mandalorian he didn't have a name until later on baby yoda doesn't have a name uh there are a lot of other characters that are just referred to the uh like for werner herzog's character his character is the client uh, yes he doesn't have another name they also could never have anticipated how big of a cultural moment baby yoda quote unquote would be like That's i mean true. they probably could have foreseen that people are gonna like this little creature because he's cute they obviously did that on purpose but they could not have anticipated him being on the cover of the hollywood reporter no i agree however when you're building merchandise all of the merchandise has been uh for the mandalorian lists him as the mandalorian yes and that's dumb because he you get a name in the first season and he's no longer he's not used that name and the mandalorian is like that's a very broad term, and I get that that's the name of the the TV show, but it just it seems weird that they're going to that they're even positioning merchandise this way, and you would think that even a nickname throughout the show, something so that you could even have, like, I mean, when Ray was initially conceptualized, the odds are her name wasn't Ray, no, and she had a full name, and like, but like point being is like you can give us something so that we're not have to make up something ourselves well or... we're kind of jumping the gun a little bit here oh but, so much but he uh the mandalorian is going to be the mandalorian as long as he's wearing that helmet and they do that on purpose because they want you to see a creed when yep. you look at this character not necessarily a person but as the series progresses we're gonna see the mm. guy behind the mask more often in Absolutely. some way they're gonna find a way to put uh what's the actor's name um uh, oh, geez. Pedro Pascal. Thank you. We're I, was, gonna, I was thinking Pablo Pascal, and I was like, no, that's not right. We're gonna we're gonna find a way to put his uh, fleshy face on screen more often. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but it's gonna happen. And then it might be a little bit easier to remember what the guy's name is. He can take off. It's Din Jaren. Din Jaren. Uh, he can take off his his helmet around uh, Baby Yoda now because they're family. Yes, they're they officially by the Mandalorian Creed become family in the end of the season. Right. Okay, but Baby Spoilers Yoda for the whole season. Baby Yoda only has one uh face in the series so far. He doesn't have a helmet face and also a, a face face. He just has one look. And so once yeah. we learn his name, I have a feeling we're going to be able to accept that as long as they they come up with a an appropriate name that's that's catchy and it seems like a Star Wars name. No, you're right. It's it's just I guess because it's taken off so much. You're in the same way that Kylo Ren and Ben Solo. I mean, they don't really say Ben Solo a whole lot, but he gets the name usage just as much. And Ben Kenobi, Obi Wan. Like there are enough characters in Star Wars that have multiple names. It's just I. That's why I think they could have gone that route in right. the sense of like 
just give us a nickname in the show so we have a nickname to go with for everything else. What do you think is the big, the biggest distinguishing factor between The Mandalorian and all other canonical Star Wars? What, what sets it apart narratively? Because I have an answer. You do have an answer that yeah. you believe sets it apart. I think this is it. It, it occurred to me today. Um, the way the way it uh, begins a story and goes forth with that story, namely concerning the protagonist. What's the biggest difference? Well, it's not your standard hero's journey. Uh, we're not following like in, in theory. If you were to shape it around that way, I mean, he's not the first anti-hero to star in a Star Wars. Uh, fixture though i mean solo we have our feelings about solo but like he really strives to be non-virtuous so that's yeah he's not heroic in the same way no i mean i there's a lot of things like i'm what's kind of standing out to you like thematically i mean yes it's it's more of a, a western man on a mission style versus kind of in reference to the protagonist for me it's naivete every other lead character in a star wars who okay, is our so main mean. protagonist is always uh naive and has stars in their eyes big dreams for the future mandalorian is not naive he has been around he knows what to do he's changing yes but he doesn't necessarily see a bright and beautiful future for himself no but i i think it's i guess naivety in a different way yeah and the fact that he's gonna learn that he doesn't like he may be seasoned in one way, but he's got to learn a whole lot, a whole other side of himself and really embrace the Mandalorian culture, probably in a new way. He clearly has tons of demons still. He has these flashbacks to when he was a child and those start in the pilot. So uh, that's a really good point, though. This is uh, our most experienced character we've ever uh, followed through. Um, like if Obi-Wan were more of a central character in the. Uh, the prequels like as in like the main character uh you could maybe say the same for that but no you're right i can see that i mean qui-gon was one of the most uh because he was you could debate in certain ways the main character of the phantom menace um so. yeah i guess i mean that movie kind of lacks a main character that's one of its problems absolutely yeah. but just in that same regard someone with wisdom that we follow whereas you're right we are, are luke skywalkers anakin skywalkers um, our Rays, Ray, our our, our Jin Ursos, absolutely Kylo Ren and, and Han Solo. Oh, and Han Solo. Solo, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's he's naive always. He's except naive for the, like the Force Awakens. Sure. Yes. Um, what I think we're lacking for this character is somebody from his background who he has affection for. So, like, we we've run into various people who he's familiar with, but has this like kind of dicey relationship with these other people who are kind of from the other side of the tracks. Mm. And I almost feel like we need to like meet his. It's not going to be his mother, but like somebody who he has like he has loved before. Well, there was what looked like an ex girlfriend, the Twilight, who's annoying as hell in right. one of the episodes. Yeah. Uh, although, yeah, I I think the that's the point of baby yoda though that's yes. what humanizes him and the no, fact that he hasn't had that kind of family connection uh i'm sure he'll get a mentor of sorts in a different way i mean it wouldn't surprise me if they really bring in uh some mandalorians from kind of canon that have been introduced through through rebels or clone wars or something and along those lines things that filoni has already kind of built out in his head uh it wouldn't surprise me if he got some form of mentorship in that way yeah, um, but yeah, I don't. I, I think that's kind of the, because he doesn't really have that weakness attachment point, and that's where Baby Yoda comes in. And so, right, right. Um, I don't know if I don't know if we will see something like that. I think maybe he'll gain, he'll develop a mentorship, maybe with a 
I'm not saying a character needs to have a really thorough background, but traditionally in Star Wars, you can rely on that. Yep, and oh, the background will be fleshed out more. And what it believe, what it looks like uh, based on the finale is that it's Death Watch uh, in particular that goes to rescue him. And what, they, is, what is that? Well, Death Watch were kind of the the crazy warmongering mercenaries who, even during peaceful times in Mandalore, um, were still like they lived on the the moon of Mandalore and basically still had their army and were kind of mercenaries and always chose war and uh um yeah always always chose war always chose war yeah just always chose war they were not necessarily the good guys by okay. any means last time we talked about this and it's so funny we've never done a podcast about something singular that we've in fact done a podcast before about but we had only seen two episodes of the show last time when we did a, a show show crossover yeah and now we've seen this whole season and so in a way we've seen it to its completion i've seen this episode five times too and i guess just, i've seen it three times yeah now. it's just it, it's feeling like watching it this time felt like watching original trilogy star wars to a degree yeah. because it was like okay i'm going through this more and more and I'm no, i noticed more subtleties like whereas when you watch uh the last jedi or solo like there are certain things or even the force awakens for that matter there are not necessarily the same subtleties that you pick up on there are some there are more original trilogy-esque subtleties um i don't really know exactly how to describe it well something i wanted to talk about but it just feels more i guess it feels more lived in again i think it really that's it you brought it up last last time when we were talking about the baskar steel and about how something that's very video gamey in nature about this show is the way he uh uh improves his armor over time and in fact you didn't know it at the time but he was going to super soup up his armor about mid-season and yeah. and in general i think that this season uh, must have borrowed from the narrative structure of video games because it's not just that. Like the way a whole episode will be spent uh, lurking in the shadows and you just have to take out 30 guys between the first minute and the final minute and you have to achieve your mini mission within the larger mission is very video gamey. And you wouldn't think it would necessarily work, but it does in Westerns and it does in serialized storytelling. And I... I have to think it's deliberate. For some reason, it feels very much like a video game mm -hmm. uh, right from the beginning, and I think that's on purpose. Well, I think it has to be because that's even one of the early concepts that they talked about, right? And I like, and then that I guess maybe because it was the pilot, so that was the one of the early things that was written up. So it was always kind of uh, something that guided the narrative of the entire story moving forward. Right, but it's funny you say that because we've talked so much about MacGuffins in our build-up to The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And in general, genre cinema has really normalized the MacGuffin, for better or worse. And this show proudly leans into that. Go in there, kill 30 stormtroopers, and retrieve the microfilm or whatever it is. And that's very video gamey in nature. It's macguffin in nature. And it works in this because they're not ashamed of it. It's true, and I think partly that is just the fact, and, and you're lucky, it's because that's what bounty hunters are. Yeah, sure. That's true. And that's what you get. It's like you've got a target and it's just rinse, repeat. You're supposed to be kind of remorseless and you're going on these missions and, and you're right. And that's why it's always worked well for video games. And it actually came out this week uh, recently that when they initially pitched Jedi Fallen Order, the recent video game, Lucasfilm said, so Jedi's in the Force. Can we go with blasters and bounty hunters instead? 
no. which makes me want to punch whoever said that in the teeth. Yeah, give me a break. Why is it so because hard for them to make lightsabery video games? They and seem they're so just, averse to it. They're such. They're so wimpy and they're so protective over uh, certain elements of Star Wars that they do a shit job on anyway. So it's yeah. it's fucking ridiculous. But then they stood their ground and they got the game through. But it's like the blasters and bounty hunters part. We've like had that game I, exactly, but the same sort. Well, we we. We haven't really. That that game just unfortunately not bounty hunters. I guess they they tried to make that game like four times, but it kept getting shut down. So, but there's no shortage of here's no, a blaster in Star Wars. No, there isn't, and that's the thing. And so, but this is another example of you're bringing that style of storytelling, but to a TV show where it would be kind of the last place you'd expect it to be. But John Favreau, because he has built the, the clout that he has, it allows it to come through, and it allows people to like truly embrace it. And so. That's a very positive thing that I see from it. That it's probably something that I think only John Favreau could have pulled off. I don't. I don't think the show would have been approved um, for anyone else. Revealing the very image of Yoda species, whatever you may call it, indicates that probably this show is going to feature the Force in a big way, and it yep. turned out to be the case. And every time Yoda used the Force, there are onlookers uh, basically kind of conveying this idea that they've never seen this before. And in fact, they don't know what the hell is going on. And you theorized the first time we talked about this episode that it's probably going to lead us towards Mando also being force sensitive in some way. I want to know if you still feel that way. And do you think that that's why he's so quickly drawn to to baby Yoda in a way that's uncharacteristic of him? I don't know. I don't think that anymore. Uh, but... I still think there's a chance for it. The right away, he t he breaks protocol and 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 shoots the IG droid. Yep, but I mean, he's not breaking protocol. He's a bounty hunter. Not really, but he does it out of empathy, and that's he not does. his way. That's true, but I mean, this character is also so powerful with the Force that the Force binds us all together. Yes. I don't think it necessarily he doesn't need to have the Force to be so drawn to it. Okay, uh, but at the same time, I thought in part because he is, he does have a shit ton of luck in this show, but. The show, as it continues, the he kind of makes his own luck, but he mm. also gets bailed out too much. Yeah. In the sense that he doesn't have the force luck that Finn does in The Rise of Skywalker. True. He kind of shows like he might have that. And then it's in, in episode two, they, they kind of really pull back from it mm. by giving... But he like at the start of episode two, he senses like an attack before it happens. And then by the end of episode two, he's gotten his ass completely kicked by an animal and he's requiring a force user to step in who's an infant to connect with this other being. And so potentially he doesn't have a strong connection to the force if he does. But I do think that like as opposed to maybe after the pilot thinking it was maybe a 30% chance it was going to happen, I think maybe like a 15. I think it probably cut 10, 15% chance now. They do a really nice job of, of capturing... Not just the Western motif, and of course they do. We talked before about like it starts in a saloon. You oh know? yeah, um, and and the music, of course. The scoring the, is incredible. The scoring it, is extraordinary. It's my alarm clock in the morning. The Ooh. Mandalorian. It's it's the like the yeah. Oh, that's dun, dun, dun. yeah. No, it's it's perfectly done. It somehow doesn't need to sound like Star Wars at all. But it does. It well, I don't know if it does, but I don't need it to. But it, that's the thing. It doesn't it, have a John Williams quality. It, it doesn't, but that doesn't matter. It still feels like Star Wars, and that's it feels like the show that it tries to be. And that's I think even harder. The fact that it's not even trying to be John Williams, but feels less like Star Wars. And although this, it does not occur in this particular. Um, 
episode, every other episode we see after this, uh, the kind of intro, the new intro for television shows, which Mm -hmm. shows the masks. Mm -hmm. This one had the beep, beep. Yes. Which I thought was really cool. And I actually thought that was going to be the way they all started. Right. Just be, but I, even though the beeping was part of the episode, I thought that that was really interesting. We do find out that the, that intro is scored for every other episode and sounds ridiculously Star Warsy. It's got a really cool... It does, but I still miss a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I still can't really rationalize the lack of that in my head. I think a long time ago in a galaxy far, I think it would have worked for the pilot. I, I, I would have been totally, totally game for that. If it was just the pilot, that would have been fine too. It wouldn't have worked for anything. It would have just had to have been the pilot. You're right, because it's so serialized. And that's the point of the the whole reason why the crawl was used in the beginning was yes. to make a new hope feel serialized even if it was just a standalone but it's also to catch you up absolutely but that's the whole point is to say that there's stuff to catch you up on but they we're, could we're start, jumping in midway they could do it at the beginning of every season yep no if, if you're doing a time jump that would have been fair so I, I wouldn't have been but like in this instance like it was a weird choice not to at least put it in the pilot and it was obviously deliberate they obviously like had a meeting about it and decided no we're not going to put it in there true but that was decided long ago when they didn't put it in rogue one and solo in my opinion uh, i like sure they didn't put it in those movies a crawl no i know i'm not talking about the crawl i'm talking about a, oh, long, a long time, time ago, ago. And a, sorry sorry yeah. sorry uh yeah no that was dumb yeah, I, that, I don't that get was it. that was in those movies, and I agree that should have been in a hundred percent should have it's been. It's so harmless. Just yeah. put it up for everyone's sake. It feels amazing when it comes on screen. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're you're a hundred percent right in that. Yeah. Sorry, I was just getting it mixed up with the crawl. But yes, no, there's no circumstance why that should not have it's been. It's so harmless, and it does so much for people's souls. Oh, absolutely. Um, so while they establish the the Western motif so successfully in the first episode, they also managed to capture original trilogy star wars so effectively especially when we're walking down that that dirty street and we've got the the, the walking monkey lizard monkey lizard i was thinking about this what's the probability that it is literally salacious b crumb who is no longer within the oh, mastery dead. he dies in return of the jedi yeah for sure yeah i can kind of picture that yeah that's I... too bad because it would have been more gratifying if like he really falls from grace and now he's about to get cooked <laughs> he's about to be street meat <laughs> It's really weirdly good. <laughs> it's weirdly good. Was, they're creepy as hell. I, I remember those because they were funny for me always because they cross over literally into the Muppets. Oh, really? Salacious B. Crumb is in, I think, like... Um, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. I could see him being like a, think, a roadie. Uh, I think he's in the Muppet... Um, oh, the Muppet one where it's um, Stillskin. Oh, okay, Muppet Classic Theater. Yeah, I think he's in Muppet and and um, like I, I mean, uh, Boy Who Cried Wolf. I, I think he's in those. I could see him being like one of Long John's deckhands in Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, I, I bet you he is too. Yeah, absolutely. But I, he's he's a funny one because that's always what I noticed as a kid. He always stood out to me. I was like, he's multi universal. That's so crossover. <laughs> All right, well that that confirms that Muppets are Star Wars canon. I guess. Oh, they are Star Wars canon. <laughs> absolutely. Well, well, Yoda should come to the Muppet uh, Christmas Carol. Then he should. Uh... Well, he's it's it's a long time ago, and it's really long travel. It's a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. It is quite busy. He's busy. He is busy. Baby Yoda could turn up at something. Anyway, we're we're, we're digressing. I uh, think it's only a matter of time before we can get uh, Baskar steel iPhone cases. It already <laughs> looks like one. 
comes in those little like rectangular pucks. Uh, you can buy them online for a hundred dollars. Sure you can. Yeah, sure you can. Uh, but no, that's actually a good idea. Just like one of those little kind of like absolutely. Why not? Well, because it's Disney, and you might have noticed they're very protective with their oh, you can't sell merchandise. Them. That's good point. Yeah, right. anytime you try and even even Etsy shit that's Baby Yoda, it gets taken down. Like absolutely. they are they are cutthroat, and I kind of get that. Yep. Oh, I get it. Too. What is the problem with Imperial credits when Carl Weathers tries to pay Mando and Imperial credits and he goes, these are Imperial credits. He's like, that's all I have. He says, well, the Empire's gone now. What's the difference? Is that money being devalued? Uh, yes and no. He says they still spend. Okay. And so like, my guess is it's because it's just deflating in value so rapidly. Yes. So my guess is it does have value, but mando doesn't necessarily know like who's going to take it because of the way it decreased like, it, it's potentially it's it's so unstable mm -hmm. that just nobody's gonna want to take that and so he just he kind of he's willing to take anything else and he takes half in the end so i have another nitpick and this applies to all of star wars how come the many hydraulic doors of star wars don't have resistant sensors for safety because a guy gets cut in half in a hydraulic door that closes in the saloon. And it's one of the best parts of the episode. Sure, it's, it's very awesome. gratifying, but like realistically, our garage door could never have done that to us. No, but it's also a long time ago. Uh, although the technology is advanced in certain areas, it doesn't advance in others in the same capacity. Safety is not a concern in the galaxy far, far away. That's true. Ask Han Solo in the railings on Starkiller Base. Oh, wait, there aren't any. Ah, true. Uh, but there no, are no railings in all of Star Wars, by the way. No, absolutely not. <laughs> it's daring you to fall into a giant pit. That's, right. kind of, that's kind of the main point. What is the name of Horatio Sanz's blue character? Uh, he doesn't have a name. Uh, I, I think that's what, yeah, that's what I was mentioning Yeah, you earlier. mentioned that. That's uh, right. They're Mithrals. Uh, the main problem with Mithrals uh, and why uh, this character doesn't work is the mouth. And the yeah, and not only, a fan. Uh, it's because it doesn't change. Like, the mouth is a human mouth, so he has pearly whites, and they're nicely shaped. You couldn't have just given him fangs or making his teeth, like, crazy yellow or digitally removed his teeth because yeah. he's supposed to be, like, an amphibian fish style. He's uh, too much like Jar Jar to me. He's, or, just, he's just goofy in a way that doesn't fit the tone. Or give him some form of speech impediment or alien. Like, he can speak English. I'm not against that because Mithral's, canonically, they speak English and they're humanoid. But, like... Make modulate it, his voice in some way in some way shape or form yeah. so that he sounds like akbar hmm. akbar it, he speaks basic he speaks english uh but he sounds like a fish yes this character needs to sound more like a fish yeah i'm all over the map is this the only instance of canonically referencing life day life day and toilets yes and toilets or vac tubes as they're called in this right right um but yes it is the first canonical mention of life day uh, I thought in a handful, like, I thought it was mentioned in a book, uh, and, but I, I'm pretty sure enough people have said that this is the first canonical mention that I will, um, I will assume I misread that or misheard it over time and I'm misremembering. Last time we talked about this, um, I had mentioned that I'm not sure we've ever seen a Star Wars character wear glasses before Dr. Parshing. Yes, there are. There are some other instances. Yes, and so there's one from the clone uh, from Rebels. Okay, uh, where an Imperial, I believe, has glasses. 
and then there is, I think, one other instance of glasses wearing in Star in, Wars. In like a case-to-case basis, I'd be all right with it. Like even if like old Ben Kenobi beyond the Dune Sea, if he's wearing like reading glasses, that wouldn't have even bothered me from the beginning. But no, like wouldn't bother me. But in this case, there's just something that doesn't look right. It looks very costumey on Dr. Parshing. And I know he has one more episode in the season, but I'm not sure he's going to turn out to be much more of a character now that Werner Herzog is not around anymore. I don't know, but he's a cloner of sorts. Like, yeah. We know that he, what's he extracting from Baby Yoda? Um, like he wasn't going to hurt Baby Yoda. No, he's kind of indirectly a good guy. He he's kind of seems to be in that sense. So he seems to be a scientist who's being, I think they're very much playing on the, uh, if you were br- a brilliant German, you either fled not you either fled uh, if, during Nazi times. You either fled Germany or you became a Nazi. Yes, if you were brilliant, that's unfortunate how it works. He seems like he's kind of the person who's kind of been been bullied into this situation and is trying to to not do terrible things. Right, uh, like even when Werner Herzog says in in, in this episode um, that like if for like a reduced fee the asset uh, can be terminated with proof of termination or something like that so. shall we quiz each other uh sure i've got a, a lot of uh quizzy things and then we can also uh do some quotes all right are we still going to call them padawan jedi knight and jedi master questions i believe so we might as well and it's... did you want to what did you want to call them like baby yoda um <laughs> uncle yoda grampy yoda uh, yeah or no. baby yoda um high republic yoda and uh, skywalker yoda <laughs> this is way too complicated for me no let's go with padawan knight master padawan question for you what did mando's ancestors apparently ride and what do you know about them uh the great mythosaur what is this thing uh i will show you exactly what it is because i thought there's a chance you were going to ask this is theoretically of legend i mean uh, it's literally called a mythosaur the mythosaur has been around as long as boba fett has okay so canonical or not canonically but in in like historically, I think I think he rode the Mythosaur in the holiday special. Okay, uh, but you know this image, this icon, this, yeah, this um, symbol of Mandalore. It kind of looks like the the Punisher symbol, but it also has like big tusks. Yeah, and so it, it looks uh, very much like kind of like dinosaur esque, um, and it hangs over the entryway to the Mandalorian lair. Yes, uh, and it's seen uh, always associated with Boba Fett for the longest time because the Mandalorian armor. But this kind of symbol is a skull of the mythosaur. Okay. So the mythosaur, was, it's a dinosaur. That, so, yeah. It's a its a beastly uh, dinosaur. I knew Boba Fett wrote a dinosaur in the holiday special. Yeah, so the mythosaur. And gotcha. hence the sore part. And so it's... And uh, so it was wrangled by the, by the, the Mandalorians. The warrior, the warrior Mandalorians who, who were able to wrangle and ride and... Like, hence the reason why they were such a powerful, um, what's the word for war faction? Yeah, I don't know. War faction. Yeah, war faction. <laughs> right. Okay, well, that's kind of less interesting. I thought there would be like more, I thought there was maybe one mythosaur and there was like a great story about it, but not necessarily. No, not necessarily. Okay. Um, Let's see what would be a good one. Spell Blurg. I mean, obviously I want to say B-L-E-R-G, Blurg. Uh, two G's? I'm not telling. I have to lock in my answer? You've got to lock in your answer. I wanted to say you've got to lock in those lyrics. I don't remember what that TV show was from. It was... Was it the Wayne Brady one? Wayne Brady, yeah. Don't forget the lyrics. Um, Okay. Blurg. B-L-E-R-R-G-H. Close. You were right that the doubles were ours. Okay. It's B-L-U-R-R-G. 
Oh, okay. It was a, a U. I never would have guessed a U. Yeah, I was. I when I initially, I remember wrote my notes for this episode. I spelt it B L E R G. I know there's something charming about how Dave Filoni like created the blurg for the Clone Wars, and then I think, and it, then it was actually realized in live action for the sake of the show. And that's a very nice full circle moment for like long term Star Wars fans. But I hate the blurg. I think it looks ridiculous. I think the blurg was mentioned in canon before i think dave filoni was the first one to present it i see um and then it kind of came i think they look super star warsy i'm i'm okay with them i love nick nolte oh he is phenomenal he's phenomenal in all of his episodes i'm gonna jump ahead to one of the quotes that i wrote down because it's long and then we'll go back uh i've never met a mandalorian i've only heard the stories if they are true you will make quick work of it and there will again be peace. I have spoken. Yeah, I have spoken. He it's, speaks beautifully. He really does. Uh, I will help you. I have spoken. Mm-hmm. Uh, many have passed through. They seek the same one as you. Um, no, he he is phenomenally well-spoken. Everything he says, he's even better in the next episode. Yes. Yeah, so he's a really great character. It was a bummer to see him and him pass at the end. Uh, do I have any more quotes? Do you want to do that first? Uh, let's do the rest of the quotes, and we'll go back to the trivia. Okay. Uh, I mean... I can bring you warmer. I can bring you cold is super badass. Oh, I absolutely love that. I yeah. can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. But like after like after I can bring you in warm, the trigger click, oof. Yeah. Uh, the client's line, this is Dr. Pershing. Please excuse his lack of decorum. His enthusiasm outweighs his discretion. Please lower your blaster. Oh, that is very good. He's so cool in this. He also said you were expensive, very expensive. Mm-hmm. Please sit. This feels a lot better. I haven't evacuated since the solstice. Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> kind of sucks. That was pretty bad. Uh, a lot of the... His voice and a lot of the issues I had were around him. However, I didn't hate him as much as some people. I thought, really, like, you just need to kind of change even the, the sound of his voice. And Was it, he not popular? He he was, like, universally the worst... Considered the worst part of season one other than... Um, He's so non-consequential to be no, the but worst everybody, part. No, but everybody will watch the pilot, so it got the most focus. So it was probably... Again, not that harmful on the, no, the, but the big picture. But this episode is... Like, all of the episodes are great. Right, right. So there's not that much you can bitch about. IG-11 says, I will, of course, receive the reputation merits associated with this mission. Like, that's <laughs> his weird little droid way of bartering. I know, which is so weird because droids should not care about that. He shouldn't that. care about the reputation. No, he's, he's willing to blow himself up so many times. No, but almost like in Uber, if you're a bounty hunter, it's going to be good for your resume if yeah. you got the job done. Yes. No, I see what you mean. He wants to continue. He wants to keep his high ranking so that he can continue to get those. Mando says, you know, you're not half bad for a droid. And IG-11 says, agreed. You don't hear, you didn't hear that part? He just says, Agreed. Yeah, well, no, I, I get that. You just you kind of motioned as if like there was a, like a line. I, I would. I thought you would say agreed. Oh yeah, no, I, I don't remember like that as a specific standout. Do you know what you want to name the episode? Uh, well, there's a couple one a couple things here. The client also said yes, alive. Although I acknowledge that bounty hunting is a complicated profession, right? Um, so I think uh, bounty hunting is a complicated profession is a good title, and then also the line that Din says, uh, Mando says when he's surrounded by four stormtroopers. I like those odds. Yeah, that's good. So I like those odds or bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Okay. Are, are my two um, kind of placeholders. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I like those two. Neither one of them really stood out to me. I mean, I guess I like those odds. Is that the first time that's been said in Star Wars? We've talked about odds before in Star Wars. We've talked about odds so much, but like we've got you surrounded four to one. I like those odds. It's just badass as hell. Yeah, okay, we'll use that. All right, I think cool. that's pretty good. That let was me give my you, place placeholder. Let me give you a, a night question. Uh... 
Grief Karga, is that his name? Yep. Carl Weathers. Offers Mandalorian, he offers Mando four of the same kind of bounty assignment. What is it? Oh, bail jumpers? Bail jumpers. Bail jumper. I got a bail jumper. What's a bail, bail jumper? jumper? Another bail, someone who's on, who's, was arrested mm-hmm. for, from, like, by the, um, by probably the Empire. Got away without paying bail. Yeah, and then the Empire's being like, hey, we'll send it to the guild because. Like, really run-of-the-mill boring. Yeah, kind of, super kind boring of shit. Like, like the, the lowest paying job. That's why he says four of them, I guess. Yeah, and that's why he tries to keep taking, that's why he tries to take all of them. Because right. they're. They're a joke for him. Keep me busy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my night question. Ooh, I've got so many here. Um, Just give me one, Ross. Okay, this is a fun one. I like this one. Okay. Uh, what color are Din's left and right shoulder pads and which one gets replaced? Um, I don't know. Green and purple and the purple one gets replaced. No, those are... Those are weird guesses. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, well, he, he, all, he, he looks all silver to me. Well, now his armor's all red in this episode, except for one blue shoulder pad. Red is an overstatement. No, watch. Watch. His armor's all red. Kind of brown, I think. Maroon. Okay, fine. But it is. It's red maroon for sure. Um, and yeah, so the blue, the um, the blue one gets replaced for the right. Beskar. Well, but later which on, is the right one. Later on, he's all stainless steel. Uh, by Beskar all by episode, what is it, four, three, four? Four. Yeah, it's not three. No, it's three. not as early as three. No, it is three. It is yeah, three. maybe it is. It okay. is three, because three is the one where he returns to the client. What is the cultural significance of the final shot of this chapter in in which the Mandalorian is reaching his finger into the little bassinet wherein lies Baby Yoda? Oh, you mean like, um, like David sort of thing? Mm, that's close michelangelo it is michelangelo Pain- yeah the painting is called the creation of adam ah and that seems to be what they're recreating and there could be some kind of symbolic context to that yeah i mean there's a lot of people like that think that baby yoda might be like that may have been part of palpatine's plan like that might be the reason what may have been moff gideon's role in palpatine's he says you gotta get this you have to find somebody with enough midi chlorians that can help me start to clone myself. So right. like who knows what he needs. So it I, does raise the question, where is baby Yoda at the time of the, the sequel trilogy? Yeah. So that is one thing that's going to be interesting. He can end up with potentially his species that stay out of things. Um, I think that might be the only way that it makes sense. Or he's in hiding or he dies. That's unlikely. Dies seems weird. Pretty hard to get away with killing a baby. Yeah, and, Cause he's going to still be a baby. Yeah it's 25 years later right so it's not like he's going to grow up enough that we're going to be okay with seeing this character be killed exactly toddler maybe i mean he'll be a little older by the time like ray and finn come around because that is like a, another generation yeah but 30 of. years later yep but that's a that's a that's a lot of his life he's a lot older at that point that's true yeah. but i just i wouldn't imagine it to accelerate that fast right no no true you're right and um, Master question? Sure, yeah, what do you got? Uh, do you have one? I just did. What was I asked, it? I asked you about Michelangelo. Oh, Michelangelo. Um, what does IG-11 state as he enters the compound? Oh, stand down? I, I don't know. 
Subparagraph 16 of the Bondsman Guild's Protocol waiver compels you to immediately produce that asset. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and he says it like six times. He's terrific. He is great. And, but you know what? He does come back, as you predicted. Yeah. But I think that's it. And it was uh, not how I predicted. And no. I agree. Yeah, that will likely be it. Yeah, at this um, point. But... I will be very disappointed if that's the end of Taika being involved in Star Wars. He could direct more episodes if he really wants to. Yeah, give the man a movie. Uh, well, well, yeah, that's true. Give the man a movie. Like, plan your shit ahead, but eventually give the man a movie. Nominated for an Oscar this week, Taika Waititi. Well, he's clearly proven he can do it, and he's clearly proven he can do it with a blockbuster, and he's clearly proven with the 45 minutes of Star Wars that he's had that he gets it. So. Agreed. Could he, uh, in theory, play another IG droid? Oh, absolutely. I think, logically, he should play all of them. Yeah, it kind of works, right? I think it makes complete sense for him to be the voice. But, I mean, it's modulated enough that really you just need... Doesn't sound really like anybody. You just need somebody with a, a New Zealand accent subtly. Ugh. Oh, no, it's it's in there. Yeah. Uh, it just, it, you got to modulate. You could get away with an awesome... You could get somebody away with somebody doing something to their voice. But you can clearly tell that it's someone from Down Under. That's all I got. Um, down Under is Australia. Is that, that uh, not the continent? Mm, they're all Down Under. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They're down there. But he's from New Zealand. And I don't think... Okay, he's people, from Mordor. People, right. People from New Zealand do not like to be confused with Australians. Oh, I know that. I watch Flight of the Concords. Right. Uh, all right. That's all I got for, for this episode. We talked a lot about it. And we have a lot more to say about Star Wars in general. That's true. Uh, we have uh, another couple quotes, though. Uh, do not self-destruct. Oh, yeah. No, stop it. <laughs> right. Um, do not self-destruct is honestly a really good name for the episode. Yeah, that could work, too. I'd be yep. okay with that. Okay. Um, when Quill's talking about uh, everybody else dying, he says, well, I don't know if I want your help. Yes. Um. Just a couple things I want to mention. Uh, there's the the Ravenac, which is that giant thing, creature on the ice planet yeah. that attacks the ship. And we he... got our creature from the Black Lagoon, which we've been sorely missing. Exactly. Although uh, we see that a little bit in Rise of Skywalker, too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I like how they definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I liked how you just used like the Electro Staff and just prodded it and was able to kind of move on from there. That was kind of cool. Uh, I loved the fact that the armorer has. Uh, horns on her mandalorian helmet yeah to signify that she comes from the time uh when darth maul ran uh death watch oh interesting and that's what that took, means when he took over mandalore it's a it's an homage to what would have been likely her leader uh, we learn later that she's pretty hardcore too she's pretty hardcore but that also it's going to show that that din and the people he associates with may not have necessarily been it's very uh, very jarring to me that you keep calling him din there's really no like like relevant context for for knowing him as Din. No, but I wrote him as Din intentionally on trying to train all, all of my notes. Yeah, to try and train myself. He's gonna be known as Mando. He will, but he'll also be known as Din. It's how Star Wars will get. It'll. The, he's a main character. He's gonna be one of people's favorite characters for a long, long time. Because anybody who's like, oh, Boba Fett's one of my top five favorite characters in Star Wars. Well, yeah. then you're stupid yeah, because he's not a character. It's a very stupid take. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you liked, unless you're talking about the legends elements of Boba Fett and you love those stories, then go for it. But like, if it's just because he looked cool, here's your character. Right. Because <laughs> he's way cooler in every way. Absolutely. And doesn't, you know, 
have the jetpack problem that the freaking Fets do. Not yet. He has a jetpack now. He does now. So if they kill him <laughs> in the end because of jetpack malfunction, yeah, then... There's some poetry to that, honestly. Well, Mandalorians are just... They got bad armor, if that's the case, then. What else you got? Uh, Love the uh, TTHLY7 gatekeeper droid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... That's what they're called? Yeah, I just had to look it up, but those things are great. Yep. And uh, appropriate for the time. I like the fact that you can get a lot of similar tech from the original trilogy because... I mean, it's, sometimes it's weird when you have, like, the Rise of Skywalker, and you're like, they're still using that kind of technology 30 years later. In fact, it feels specifically Return of the Jedi, because yes. that's the movie we're closest to chronologically, and that seems deliberate. Oh, it, and it seems deliberate throughout in the in that I think the, that has so much inspiration. It expands the galaxy a lot in that it builds off of... It doesn't really build off a whole lot from Empire, but builds off of similar from A New Hope and right. kind of introducing a lot of new things in that way, so um yeah okay let's, let's get to uh let's get, get on with the news, news. yeah so well i mean i we should say that uh star wars the rise of skywalker no matter how you may feel was nominated for three academy awards this week uh perhaps most notably john williams got his 52nd nomination for an oscar for scoring episode nine of star wars and adam driver apropos of nothing nominated for best lead actor for marriage story yeah, and he has, I think, a chance. I mean, Joker's Joaquin Phoenix is probably going to win. Seems to be a lot of the buzz, but yeah, he, yeah, he doesn't really have a chance anymore. It seems like the writing's on the wall. Yeah, but I mean, he had quite the year, so he will win at some point. Yep. Uh, but visual effects, uh, original score, and sound editing were the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's crossing a billion dollars right around now. I mean, it was nine hundred. It was up in the high nine hundreds recently. I don't know if it has this exact moment, but it's crossing a billion dollars. So it's checked that box for Disney's requirements, which is a good thing. So it's not going to live on in infamy as a total failure the way it kind of Solo does. Yes. Yeah. No, it's not a total failure. It's not even close to a total failure. No, you mean the Rise of Skywalker? No, no not in the slightest. No. no, 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 exactly. And that's the thing. It's It's been able to cap it off, and nobody can view it that way, and ultimately it's going to allow people like Kathleen Kennedy to wash her hands of this and allow us to wash our hands of her. That's a good way to put it. No disrespect. That's no, a good way to put absolutely. it. absolutely. Yeah. It's just something that'll be better for all, probably. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole lot of things. I'm just going to kind of throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. All right. Uh, Dominic Monaghan, uh, I wanted to have a show in Disney plus, uh, yeah. just because of how much he loves star Wars. He says, if he gets to play his character again, he'll get another star Wars tattoo for his character. He might still get one anyway. That's sweet. Uh, in the kind of expanded lore around it, uh, and the larger script and like what initially was going to be produced, uh, he said, one of the things about my character was a little bit more established in terms of everything we filmed. Uh, he was a code breaker, Beaumont. Uh, so a lot of the information that the heroes get in the movie has come through Beaumont. And so you have somebody who's been established. He is the only one who provides any context how Palpatine returns in the mm-hmm. movie. So it'd be really cool to give a guy like him a Disney Plus show and really kind of flesh out what maybe goes on after the rise of skywalker but not as like kind of a nerdy adventurer yeah but not in anything of an important way that is going to be on the balance of the force and we really need to look into any of that crap it can just allow us to you know kind of appreciate the development of the galaxy moving forward and can i don't know just move things forward in in a nice way with a character we don't know about but i think we can all be pretty confident would be very 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 likable so wait a second does he have a star wars tattoo already to commemorate his rise of skywalker role no he has he 
since before he was famous, he's had luminous beings are we uh, tattooed on his body. Well, yeah, he but he famously gets tattoos for multiple roles because he everyone in the fellowship got the number 11 in Elvish tattooed on them somewhere. Why 11? Because there's 11 in the fellowship. Oh, okay. Um, so that was at the end of Lord of the Rings. And he also has a drive shaft tattoo. Oh, does he? Cool. For, for Charlie Pace. And so, I mean, if he gets to expand upon this character, which remains to be seen, I think it's kind of a cool tradition that this Definitely. that this badass dude gets tattoos for his roles. Yeah, and I mean, it wouldn't... Uh, sorry, are you saying for the roles in the sense that he gets them for the character? No, I mean, he, he I think he gets them for Dominic to, yeah. to, to celebrate. Because it wouldn't also shock me if he got one for a character. That could also be the kind of thing that he would just get yeah. something like... I wonder if anyone's ever done that. I'm sure big, they have. A big resistance tattoo and just wears it as like part of the character <laughs> now. Like, I've fought in the resistance, guys. Yeah, why not? <laughs> um... Rose, uh, some of the screen time that she did lose in The Rise of Skywalker was because of a lot of shared scenes with uh, Leia. Mm -hmm. And so Kelly Marie Tran just got cut out for a lot of technical reasons because a lot of those Leia scenes were cut for technical reasons for the obvious. So that does suck. Uh, But I also think to a degree that's a bit of a cop out because clearly she wasn't written to be in it that much. Yeah. And they could have done a better job of editing around some of that stuff. They were trying to bury the character because of the backlash. It's a a shame all around. Everything that that she now represents within the the universe is really quite unfortunate. It is. And we'll get to it in a little bit more detail in a a minute. Uh, There was also more on the Kylo Ren comic that came out. Uh, and it's so, so it's Ben and Luke encountering the Knights of Ren and their leader. Uh, so their leader is this really arrogant guy who he's got very like pretty hair a la Ben Solo in that regard. Um, but he's he has a lightsaber that has essentially like a built in like if you it's got a kill switch. So you kill me. We all die. I, I blow this whole place up. And so that's cool. That's the only way that the Knights of Ren are able to get away from Luke Skywalker because he's messing them up. Yeah, uh, and so they they're able to get away, but the leader leaves behind his mask for Ben Solo, uh, and that's ultimately when Ben Solo thinks that Luke Skywalker has betrayed him. That's how he reconnects with Snoke in the Knights of Ren. He puts on the mask, and they kind of lead him that way. Okay, uh, and so that's kind of an interesting thing because of all the information that it has been about. Like Vader's, like Palpatine clearly possessed Vader's mask of some way, shape, or form, so that he was communicating with Kylo. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, but, uh, other than that, they're just kind of trying to break out more about Kylo Ren's character, uh, television. So the Obi-Wan TV series, uh, an undisclosed Disney feature film is casting lead roles, a blonde male talent ages eight, 11 oh. and with blue eyes and a brunette female talent aged eight, 11 with brown eyes. So Luke and Leia, Luke and Leia. And so it, likely it's, they say feature film because collectively, it's a miniseries, and my guess is the total runtime of that miniseries is only going to be like, it's going to be under four hours. Probably. And so they would post it as a movie, uh, which makes sense so that the commitment isn't what you would expect differently to be. Maybe. I don't I don't know if that's why you post it that way. There might be some kind of reason to, to post the job that way, or it might in fact be a... a a movie maybe it's not at all what we're predicting it it very well could be but that's just something that's been kind of going around Uh, i I can understand having young luke in the obi-wan series but to have leia in it is a reach no it makes sense if you uh bring in jimmy smiths and i guess you would have to help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope especially seeing as if obi-wan is going to go visit his friends if he needs to maybe find vader learn more about it but doesn't she kind of introduce herself in the r2 message years ago you helped my father in the clone wars yep but if she, like, 
she I don't want her interacting a bunch with Obi-Wan. Right. But having her like I would be okay with like ten minutes of Leia in the in the show. Sure, okay. Um, but I'd definitely be okay with a lot of Jimmy Smiths. But if Obi Wan's going to see a lot of his friends, uh, the heavy rumor that's going on now out now is that one of those people is Jar Jar. Yeah, uh, and this that is Ahmed, wild. Ahmed Best. Is this is be- real. Yeah, this is a big thing that's going around, and there's a very decent chance that uh, a bearded Jar Jar will appear in the Obi Wan TV show, and I think it makes complete sense. Why? Because uh, who discovered Anakin, Jar Jar, and Qui-Gon, not even Obi-Wan? That's right. Uh, Who was the one who sold out the entire galaxy to Palpatine? Jar Jar. So Jar Jar is living with guilt about some of his uh, Uh, political uh, downfall? Absolutely. And if he's the one who was close with Palpatine, there's a deleted seed from Revenge of the Sith where Palpatine takes Jar Jar aside and thanks him for the role he's played in the growth of the republic and empire and the importance that he has and so like even if jar jar is an idiot he he's probably realized he's been played and if he knows of this dark figure it wouldn't be ridiculous for jar jar to be the one to put things together a little bit with obi-wan i actually think it's a genius and low risk way to rehabilitate Jar Jar to an extent because Jar Jar has become such an easy punching bag he's such a nickelback for star wars yeah and and, and it's really cheap, but like they can find a way to have a better writer. I mean, he's still going to talk like an idiot, but also that's part of what makes it exciting. Whether you liked the prequels or not, you're going to watch the Kenobi series. And when Jar Jar comes up, you're not going to be mad. No. I mean, how could you be? It's yeah. so damn exciting. And he's not going to be all excited the same way. Like, it's not going to be like, Obi. No, he's an old man now. Exactly. He's, yeah. he's aged. He's the, like, he's probably jaded a little bit too obi <laughs> that was amazing Obi, yeah. very good you're very you've been working on this i haven't but jar jar is uh jar jar's in all of us colin i think that's true that's what george hoped anyway oh, all right jar, that's jar Jar's the key to all of this yeah right well that's what people tried to go on for the darth jar jar thing well honestly that scene you referred to the deleted scene with him and sidious or him and palpatine is part of what made people oh, think yeah. that maybe he was in fact the dark side Oh, definitely. There's yeah. so many different ways. And that theory is a good freaking theory. It's one of the best. It's not right, but, no, I, but it's I, I good. Also, I'm also not completely convinced that it was never considered in, in earnest. No, I also don't disagree with you either. Yeah. Uh, but under the circumstances, we know people can be influenced by public opinion. Apparently so. Apparently so. All right. Let's get a move on. Uh, the High Republic era. Mm-hmm. So this is another thing that's coming out. So... 400 years before the era of the Skywalkers, and this is the heavy leak as what the new movies are going to be. So it will be announced. It was rumored this month that there would be an announcement, uh, whether it be director, writer, like a pathway forward on new films. Could still be Ryan Johnson. He has not been officially severed. Also an Academy Award nominee, by the way. Yes, and less than 24 hours ago or a couple days ago, he gave an an update uh, that recently was just saying that, like, Still status quo. Disney just hasn't set forth their plans on what the next dates for movies are going to be. That's cool. But I'm still working on things. Great. Um, I still think there's a very good chance he'll get fired eventually. But I think it's. Uh, I think there's a decent chance we're going to find out that the High Republic era, an era where the galaxy, where the Jedi did a lot of exploration within the galaxy, discovering new things, um, and kind of trying to, I guess, probably finding new planets, maybe discovering some planets that we already know about, uh, having more information than the characters themselves could be kind of cool in certain capacities. But really going and building backwards beyond the prequels is going to be cool. So the galaxy hasn't 
crumbled, but it's building to what we see in its prime in the prequels. And so I'm really ex- I'm excited that this could be a cool new era. Yeah. Uh, Bane has already established the rule of two uh, and that uh, Yoda would be around. He'd be 600 years old or 500 years old. Um, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. So, I mean, he'd like probably... Kind of a young man. Well, he'd probably... Not a young man, but like a middle-aged man. He'd probably be a, like a fresh Jedi master or like a Jedi knight. He like he wouldn't be grand, he wouldn't be grandmaster probably nope. at that point. Nope. So, but I mean, he could still be grandmaster for another 400 years beyond that. I don't know how long it is. Uh, but it could be interesting. It gets you that ability to just kind of pull in with one familiar character. So you have an anchor on the time point. It's reasonable to assume, I think, that Yoda lives beyond the average lifespan of his species. I know we don't know anything about this species, but like... That's fair. He probably had a very full life. Well, actually, uh, one thing that we can go off of is Yaddle looks pretty old. Yep. And Yaddle is... But she could be 300 years younger than him and still look pretty old. That's what I was able to say. She's canonically 600. Yeah, there you go. So, like, potentially, maybe he's he's in his prime. Maybe he is still... Maybe he's Grandmaster at this point already. Right, right. He's, maybe he's... Well, man, if he's Grandmaster for 400 years, that's insane. It's quite a reign. That is quite a reign. I mean, you can't blame the guy for having failure at the end. Yeah. I mean, really, come on. <laughs> like, that's the Sith's plan. They operate in secret. And that's the other thing. The Sith cannot be the known main villains here nope they have to kill everybody that they be that they're a villain for nobody can know that they exist in this time period it would be nice to deal in a universe where the sith don't have to live in hiding because they always are in hiding in all of star wars yeah and that's that's the old republic and that's what people want with the old republic i think it's interesting to do it this way because it's it's stepping stones yes if you're de-aging the galaxy 400 years it's a hell of a lot easier to de-age it 400 years and then de-age it another 2,000 than de-age it 2,500 years. Bingo. It's, that's a lot for somebody to take on. So maybe maybe this is the Feige project, and Feige's going to establish this era so that he's paving the way uh, for large arcs, not necessarily trilogies, things that can intertwine. Uh, and then there's this Project Luminos as well, which is a project that crosses comics, novels, uh, many mediums, video games, and is supposed to be enlightening about the Force and providing us a lot more information. And this is supposed to be a huge reveal that's coming this year of Star Wars content. So Project Luminous could be cross-platform launching of a new era. So the High Republic could have all different mediums launched at like one particular time just See, this, like with these new characters. This makes me so excited. And it sounds so vibrant mm. and alive, Absolutely. the Star Wars universe, when you talk about it. But right now it feels not alive. Right now it feels, and maybe it's just because we're kind of sitting in the aftermath of what in was like, it was a bit of a complicated reception for The Rise of Skywalker. And I still love that movie and I can't wait to see it a third time. But like, uh, it's imperfect and and because it was it was maybe didn't live up to to the hype which was probably impossible um we seem to be sitting in kind of a stale water uh for star wars and i mean this is the mandalorian notwithstanding certainly kenobi can probably uh give us some energy back that's not for a little while Mm -hmm. but you're describing like such such a uh a, a vibrant future for Star Wars, and it's very hard to imagine that coming into fruition. Lush opportunity, but that's the thing. I mean, this is what Disney should have been planning for since they bought it. Bingo. Like, the Skywalker saga was a means to an end, and they should have planned it better, but it was something that this is not what you bought Lucasfilm for. Nope. 
this is what you bought Lucasfilm for. I think so. And so it could be interesting. And bringing back lightsabers and all that stuff brings back merch. can do so many things. Yes. Uh, Mando season two, we are getting uh, fall 2020, though, which is good. Great. That's good. Uh, and we have the Clone Wars launching on February 17th. Still no word as to whether it's going to be a full drop or a week by week. What do you want? Uh, what do I want? I I don't care. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'd like the week by week. Me too. It just, it's Give us two to start with. That really worked well with The Mandalorian. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I, and I don't know how many there are. I think there might be 10, but I don't remember how many episodes there are of it. Uh, but that's going to be really cool to kind of finish up. Uh, and then additionally to that, that there is likely an animation sequel series to Rebels coming. Cool. And so this would probably be announced at Star Wars Celebration or after the Clone Wars is all fully out. Something and, else for Filoni to work on? And so Filoni, yes, would oversee it. And busy. he would probably be, because like, apparently, like, if it, this, it, this is a highly believed rumor, same with the High Republic era, because the High Republic era has actually been referenced in two other previous canon materials mm. in the last, like, six months that have been released so it, it has really a lot of fingers pointing to it uh but this one if you're having the clone wars released ahsoka is the main character of that this tv show would be a sequel to rebels uh similar animation style to the clone wars and would be about uh, be around uh sabine and ahsoka's search for ezra and thrawn in the unknown regions and so that would take place as, at a similar uh time as the mandalorian okay and so you could cross pathways Whoa. and arcs ultimately meaning Filoni's work on both. But one is live action and one is animated. You got it. That would be wild. That would be fucking incredible. It would be so cool. It would be so cool. And Ahsoka is a phenomenal character. So finishing her arc, uh, which makes sense because we know that like it doesn't make sense for her to not die before the rise of Skywalker based on the voices that she provides. And so this will finish out that story. And I... I've always expected this show to come, and so I'm thrilled to hear that it's also scheduled for 2020. Uh, same with Resistance, in that when they announced Resistance, it came out six months later. And so if they announce this show this year as they're expected to, it, it's expected for fall as well. The animation was cheaper in Resistance, though, than it grew to be in Clone Wars and Rebels. Like, I don't know if they could get that together that quickly. Well... Unless it's being worked on in secret, which is not out of the well, question. That's the thing, is if it's done in a similar style as Clone Wars, they announced the return of clone wars a while ago that's true and they had already had most of the work done done on those episodes yeah and so the fact that they've been working on clone wars no they've been working on this other show yeah which is also starring ahsoka and so that's the whole reason why it was able to just slide underneath the rug and nobody right. knew what was going on right because it was still kind of within the family and they probably have a lot of the same voices coming back who are just like in the family of star wars voices and so, I, I don't know. I think it could be it's really cool. Easy kept secret, I guess. Yeah. And it also, I don't know, paints a really nice pathway to maybe bring Thrawn into the Mandalorian. Mm, that would be pretty cool. That would, that would be pretty cool. Okay. You got one more big thing you want to talk about. I do have one more big thing. So, Star Wars titles, The Rise of Skywalker is not a good one. Nope. It's not a good title. It's not, not my favorite title. Colin Trevorrow's script has likely leaked. That's wild which is really crazy. Yeah, it is. And so it was uh, presented by an individual, Robert Meyer Burnett. He's a guy who's known online. I looked up into his credentials and credibility, and it seems like this is probably real. And the way he presented it, it was not like one of those clickbaity things. It was like, oh, this is probably now on Reddit, uh, and I'm going to kind of walk through what I know. And he, So it's very, very, very believable. Okay. Uh, and it's kind of blowing up. But title... Duel of the Fates. 
Oh, that's way better. It's way better. Fuck off. Jesus it's way Christ. better. Fuck off. And Colin, where has that been? Duel of the Fates. Why didn't anybody ever think of that? And it's also the last one mirroring the first one. Yes. And, and it also is a great title for the story that's about to come. And I don't want to disappoint you. Here we go. This is a better script. Sure. It's a much more original script. It was likely castrated by Bob Iger and Colin Trevorrow had the integrity that J.J. Abrams was promised and I think ultimately was probably pulled out from the rug what, on him anyway. What is Bob Iger's problem? Like, what I is, don't know. Like, what, but what, what, what do you know about this script could be threatening to the Disney image? There's a couple things. Okay. Uh, it's apparently, it was believed that it was too inside baseball, which is a slap in the face. Sure. It's calling fans stupid. Yeah. Uh, it also, it takes some choices that I wouldn't have done. But some of those choices are the kind of things where you're like, let's massage this out. Okay. And are not the kind of things you break up over creative differences over. Right. Colin Trevorrow, they clearly wanted enough change that they had to kind of sever ties. He hasn't made a lot of good movies in his career. Let's let's say that. I will say that. But he is under no circumstance, if they have any brain, to not give him another Star Wars project. Okay. Because he gets Star Wars completely. Okay. What do you know? I know a lot. And so I'm going to go through it. Um Crawl. The iron grip of the First Order is spread to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. Only a few scattered planets remain unoccupied. Traitorous acts are punished by death. Determined to suffocate the growing unrest, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren has silenced all communication between neighboring systems. Led by General Leia Organa, the Resistance has planned a secret mission to prevent their annihilation and forge a path to freedom. So, Kylo Ren, Supreme Leader, keep in mind this was written before The Last Jedi yep. was finished. But he knew what The Last Jedi was going to be. But he didn't have any... Vi so this is something to note. The execution of The Last Jedi, I believe, would have changed this script. Okay. Because of the terrible uh, chemistry between uh, Rose and Finn. Right. It's built upon here. Yeah. Um, the amazing chemistry between Rey and Kylo. It's maybe not taken as well advantage of... It's not taken as well advantage of here, whereas it was really done beautifully in The Rise of Skywalker. Do they kiss? They do not. Fuck, I, I like them kissing. She does kiss someone else. Weird, who is it? So, I'm just going to go through kind of the, the summary, and you can let me know on what you kind of think are interesting things. Okay. So it opens up on some shipyards that were canon since, like, video games in the 90s. Huge reward to all those fans. BB-8 and Rose uh, are on a mission. Ray arrives. Uh, the plan goes wrong, and the First Order is able to kind of foil their plans. But Ray is disguised as a Tusken Raider, and her whipped out staff is actually a newly made uh, double-bladed lightsaber merged between her staff and the lights and the her Graflex lightsaber. So she was disguised as a Tuscan Raider, whips out that, okay. uh, and then they steal a Star Destroyer and go back to the like Finn and, and Poe were involved in steering the Star Destroyer, and they get back to the Resistance base. Um, you cut to Coruscant, and then you have Chancellor Hux, and it's very prequely in the sense of you're providing kind of like. Uh, an overarching kind of Senate area. And then he has a similar kind of um, meeting room meeting to the A New Hope style one where they're discussing their their final clenches of the galaxy and kind of ruling those things out. And so Hux is much more menacing and evil in this. Um, and uh, they kill a few people to kind of prove points. And so it's very much more like Vader in the sense of, oh, if you don't tolerate protocol, you get murdered in a cold-blooded way as opposed to kind of some of the silliness that they go for with uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Um, and they cut to a resistance base, uh, and uh, Ray is using a mind trick on the First Order, 
passengers as she lands the Star Destroyer. Okay. So that's how they were able to get the crew. She tricked the crew to actually land the Star Destroyer for awesome. them. Uh, and so she confides in Finn that she's been having a lot of trouble. She doesn't know if she has to take, would it be a Jedi? Is this like a PDF? Like anyone can take a look at this? So it's, it was done in a video and then I took a few summaries online and kind of summarized them down even further so they weren't as long because this is a lot shorter than some of the summaries out there. Um, but uh, so Ray's used uh, some of the force texts to realize that uh, there is a beacon uh, on Coruscant uh, under the old Jedi Temple uh, that sends out to all systems in the galaxy. So they're able to reach 50 planets where they can communicate a message. Uh, and so they kind of break up into teams that way. Uh, Force Ghost Luke comes and trains Rey. Uh, so she's getting stronger, but Luke is encouraging. Uh, he's also talking to Kylo, and he's trying to encourage Kylo to let Ben Solo become Ben Solo and to toss away this kind of image. Uh, Ray's getting kind of pissed at Luke saying like, you kind of trying to tell me what to do, but nobody's like really helping me. I, like, I don't know if I can actually do this. Yeah. Uh, and everybody's always saying like, Oh, we have darkness within us, but like, that doesn't help me. And so she's getting kind of pissed in that way. Uh, so Kylo, uh, goes to Mustafar after a long search, uh, and he uncovers a hologram of Palpatine. Uh, Palpatine communicates to him saying that like, like Lord Vader, if Luke Skywalker, like, so he's, it's a message left for Vader. It's a better way to incorporate Palpatine because like, then it's understood that he has, that no one knew he was around for all this time and it's not suddenly sprung on us that he's back. Yeah. Like we actually get to see him come back. Yeah. And so it, it makes a lot more sense that Kylo is going, it's very similar to the way Kylo's going to Mustafar. Uh, in the start of the Rise of Skywalker, but we actually know what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, and so Palpatine tells him that if Luke Skywalker cannot be turned, get him to the Remnicor uh, planet uh, and get him the teachings of Tor Velum. So Kylo tells Hux that he's going to go off and uncover the most powerful secrets of the galaxy and planet-destroying planet weapons will no longer be needed, which Ooh. is another kind of nice shade to the empire the way of old and before the rise of skywalker is even written so it's it goes to it was basically like if jj, if JJ had read this script he should have known not to do planet well, destroying weapons what i was gonna say is it's almost it's almost like a way of 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 winking at the fans who've been complaining about the recycling of certain narrative tropes mm. With, and not necessarily like giving service to trolls but basically saying i know we've done it a lot no more Yes. Yeah. And so he's Kylo's going to go um, because Palpatine told him to go to this Remnicor planet uh, and to learn from Tor Valum. Uh, and so he tells Hux he's leaving and he smashes Vader's helmet on his way out uh, because he believes now that Vader was weak. Uh, and uh, he goes to Tor Valum on this Remnicor planet uh, and he actually fights Vader there. Um, Whoa. in a very, very uh, Empire Strikes Back uh, in a cave sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, Vader kind of kind of beats his ass down. Um, and Kylo essentially is stalking to this Tor Valum, and you realize he's like 7,000 years old. He provided teachings to Sidious. He's not a Sith, but he's just like this ancient being. And he's teaching Kylo essentially how to kill the Force, how to suck the living Force out of people, how to... And they like have animals there, and so Kylo's like murdering animals by like sucking their souls out of them. Ooh. So it's very much similar to what Palpatine kind of does later on, but it's how Kylo's learning the power to just extinguish the life force from things. Yes. And so Kylo's getting pissed because he wants to learn how to be a god of Mortis. Ah. 
And Torvalum is basically like, you aren't ready for that. This is how the dagger ended up in the movie. It's exactly how the dagger ended up in the movie. Yeah. And so Kylo Ren kills Torvalum for not allowing him. And so in the same way, he, he gets the information to where Mortis is. And Torvalum, it, it basically just like betraying the dark side, this teacher, uh, someone who was not a threat to Kylo, but you can see that Kylo's becoming more consumed and more evil. Kylo is the big baddie in this script. Yeah. They're like, he is the one, he's gone full hardcore. I have one thing I forgot to mention that after the message from Palpatine plays, uh, because it's for Vader, it explodes. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so he's left disfigured as fuck even more so. Uh, oh, and okay. so he has like a face mask like that kind of covers most of his face. I kind of envisioned it like Vader Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. kind of style uh and so like he's like really fucked up looking at this point it doesn't he, sound like you're building towards his ultimate redemption though. no you're not yeah. and i like See, i think he does need to be redeemed and that's i think the reason why he uh colin trevorrow was fired yeah maybe it is uh and while sounds like you could blend these two scripts and have yes, a good and have a you could have a way be- <laughs> and that's the thing that's really annoying uh and so kylo goes off to mortis uh, and then Ray ultimately ends off going there as well. So uh, there's Team A and Team B. Team A is Rose, Finn, R2, and 3PO. They go to Coruscant. They light the beacon. The First Order cuts it off. And then they do a ground uprising. Okay. So on the low levels of Coruscant, where this used to be a thriving planet, and there's billions and billions and billions of people. There's your land battle. That mm-hmm. makes a little bit more sense to have yes. billions of people on a singular planet. And also we're in the old Jedi Temple. This is super prequely. It's bringing back all those things, which is really great. Uh, Ray, Poe, and Chewbacca, they go to find someone who can kind of remind, like, bring out Ray's trauma, bring out her memories. And ultimately, in bringing out her memories, she remembers the pathway to Mortis. Mm. Uh, and she remembers her fight with the Knights of Ren. And so this is some of this stuff was a little difficult to piece together. Um, but she's being pursued by the Knights of Ren. Her and Poe and Chewbacca, like, Ray kills all of the Knights of Ren. She slaughters them all on this That's planet. That's way better. And it's the same sort of sand skiff thing that you have on Pisana, where it's like a speeder chase, but it's a water planet. Okay. And so they're actually on a like, like an actual boat versus the Knights of Ren in the sky as opposed to a sand speeder, which is a nice change of pace doing yep. it a little bit differently there. Uh, I liked Pisana, but okay. Yeah, I think it would have been cooler to be water, a water planet in that regard. Sure. Uh, but ultimately, Ray uh, is trying to tell Poe to leave because she needs to go to Mortis alone. Poe won't. Uh, and then she keeps, she tries to mind trick him, uh, and he resists because mm. he knows what she's doing. Uh, and then she kisses him and then mind tricks him. And then he goes, I still think there's like a weird sexual tension well, that, between her and Poe in the opening scene of Rise of Skywalker, there which is. is then not fleshed out. Well, and that's what I get. That's what they were, I guess, trying to flesh out with this. Yeah. Uh, and so that that's what gets her to leave. And so she, uh, sorry, Poe and you're, you're difficult. Leave. You're being very difficult. You're a difficult man. That's yeah. what she says. Yeah. <laughs> You're a difficult man. And so then Ray goes off to Mortis. And so Leia recruits Lando. Lando gets the smugglers. He shows up in the nick of time. Exact same way as in The Rise of Skywalker. Yes. You have the land battle. You have the sky battle. Uh, it's done in Coruscant. It sounds like it was just a better execution of uniting the entire galaxy, the downtrodden, making it more relevant to the way the world really is now, an important element to Star Wars. Uh, so I thought that was really good and kind of has Leia and Lando, which also wouldn't have worked based because this script was written when Carrie Fisher had not yet passed away. Right. Another thing they would have to workshop. Yes. But based on the script, it's okay. 
when Ray and Kylo get to Mortis, uh, they essentially they do a battle, a much bigger battle with each other of the Force, uh, and like trying to like steal the Force from one another because Mortis is such a a force vergence it allows them to be like kylo ren's using his life-sucking ability to try and kill ray the force ghosts come to save her um and anakin yoda obi-wan luke and ray extinguish ben solo and mortis <laughs> likely meaning they kill him using the mortis dagger to prevent his soul from ever carrying on there are plot holes in this that show that this was clearly a script meant for the average person on set in that i honestly can't really see other other than that i can understand why bob Iger wants ben solo uh redeemed at the end and i tend to agree mm -hmm. i this you're right this is not a fireable offense no this is a really good start it's a really really <laughs> and like i had to cut it down and so like i left out a lot of cool stuff uh there is a han scene where he comes to kylo i don't know how that goes uh clearly wasn't successful uh, Luke is trying to bring Ben Solo back and he's unsuccessful there. I think that those kind of key things, though, like the Ray Kylo relationship and how you build upon that, like you would build upon that after watching The Last Jedi. So some of these stuff, some of this stuff would have to be changed, of course, because yeah. like the chemistry is just not there between Rose and Finn. So don't try and build on it when it's not there. They just don't have good scenes together. So don't, you're not going to build an entire plot line around that. And so I think if you really just kind of shuffle up some of those things apparently the 3po and r2 com comedy is off the charts it's really really good um, 3po is pretty good in rise of skywalker he is pretty good in rise of skywalker you know you could have called rise of skywalker duel of fates it wouldn't be it would be still be a better title than rise of skywalker yeah it's kind of a vague term but it's so gratifying to hear it again well i also uh knew and was not remotely surprised by um, I was just so confident this was the case and it was proven right, was that the last scene and the last line were written very, very early on in the Rise of Skywalker's development. Yes. And of course they fucking were. Sure. Because it was just built for that, like, title. And it's yeah. just, it's bad. It's not great. No, it's, it's, it's basically like Bob Iger gave him a checklist and you got to hit these points and, like, that's why it was in there sort of thing. Whereas this... It's really a creative take on Star Wars. It wraps it up. It pulls kind of styles from all the different movies. It's exactly what J.J. said he was giving us in terms of satisfaction uh, and being an end to all nine movies. It's actually that. Look, they're going to do an episode 10. Yep. And it's, that's if, the th it's going to happen. Yep. They, they might not admit for a while, but. They always go back on this thing. Star Wars does not feel complete. And I mean the Skywalker saga mm -hmm. does not feel complete. Uh, we got more. I'm, yeah, not, well, I'm not worried about it. That's the thing. I, I didn't get the closure from that. I think this would have given a lot would have given a lot of closure. Because Sounds like it. It would have shown that like Palpatine really did end. Uh, although I did I did like Palpatine coming back. I still think that could even work in this script. Yeah. You could even like if you're gonna make Ben Solo the baddie. The only way, in my opinion, you can do that, and it still actually works with this script, you can completely just throw this in as a piece of exposition that Anakin gives to Rey on Mortis, mm -hmm. that Ben Solo was Palpatine. Well, exactly. Once you Ben get, Solo was conceived the day Palpatine died. Right, or once you exercise the Palpatine out of yeah. Ben Solo, he's good again, and that way you kind of cover that base, and Bob Iger's happy. Exactly, and then you can also get like the Mortis killing being something where Ben Solo maybe kills himself. Right. You can have him on Mortis realize that he is pure evil and that he's never had any option because 
He's he doesn't have agency. He he's not a person. He's he was a vessel that Palpatine stole, and then he never even had a chance. And so maybe it's in order to do that, you still have to have him die heroically. But because, that's the thing for him to have that realization is to have virtue within him, is to understand what is good and bad. But that's that's a realization that you can have as your true rise of Skywalker moment. Yes, where the blood beats the. The corruption and because it's on mortis the place where anakin controls the balance of the force it can make sense right and also it allows the father position the true balancer of the force to be anakin the pure embodiment of dark to be kylo the pure embodiment of light to be ray it's a beautiful mirror of what happens in the mortis arc and so it ultimately completes the saga extremely well uh, it is like it does seem to be lacking some Palpatine, and this Tor Valum is a little kind of like we weren't we weren't expecting us... a lot of Palpatine six months ago, though. Like a little bit of Palpatine might have been enough. Yeah, it might have been, but this Tor Valum is supposed to be an alien. If this Tor Valum was like what Snoke was a clone of, and that he was like just sending him out there in that regard or something along those lines. Maybe that could work. Kind of fills in another gap, yeah. But like there's a lot of things that like this script, the execution, we wouldn't know how it would be done. But a lot of it, it's framed within Star Wars the way we know it and it reads like Star Wars and so you can visualize it and it makes a lot of sense. Mm. And so I think the execution probably would have been pretty good. And I think if they over time had gone through some of those kind of variations and JJ's some of JJ's ideas were phenomenal but I don't know you merge those two scripts uh, I think you're putting more of Trevorrow's script in it and you're getting a phenomenal could have been perfect ending to the movie they had all the pieces uh, between those two scripts they had all the pieces for uh, the best Star Wars movie since Empire but they didn't put it together anything else you want to say nope but it does go. It just goes to show <laughs> that Lord. we will never have an end to things to talk about for Star Wars. Yeah, isn't that absolutely true? Okay, for God to cast one, uh, I, this is going to be one where you feel inclined to uh, groan and say, "What are you doing to me?" Of course, I want you to take this seriously because both right. both of these people were snubbed for Academy Awards in performances that were universally lauded. They did not get nominated, and many people are angry that neither Jennifer Lopez nor Adam Sandler got nominated. So which one's it going to be in I Star Wars? I knew you were going to give me uh, J-Lo. Yep. And I think you've actually asked me J-Lo and Constance Wu once before. Oh, maybe I did. Yeah. Um, That's unfortunate. Okay. Uh, Aquafina and Adam Sandler also uh, snubbed. You see, I've only heard amazing things about Aquafina. Like oh, really? only amazing things. Oh, I, I haven't. Oh, really? I haven't seen The Farewell. I'm sure she's great in that, but she's the low point of Ocean's 8. And uh, and also Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, but I think there's a couple other things that she's in that are. Yeah, but right. I also never seen her in anything, so I don't know. Um, I've heard good things in that regard. Adam Sandler, I think, could be a, a great droid or alien, though. I honestly, I have, I have no issue with Adam Sandler. I he could even he, be a bartender he, as a human. He could be a person. I think that putting like Bill Burr in Star Wars proves that you can get different personality types in Star Wars. And he can also play a dramatic role. He doesn't have to be Happy Gilmore. No, and he wouldn't be Happy Gilmore. I mean, just because you brought it up about, was it Richard Jewell? Is that the one his movie is? Or Uncut no, un Gems? Uncut Gems. Uh, so, yeah, Uncut Gems. In that, he looks... He doesn't look like Happy Gilmore. <laughs> He's acting in this movie. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. He can. Yeah. It's like Spanglish, um, Rain Over Me. Rain Over Me was good. Oh, man. That was a 
like that's a dark movie. That's a the, good movie. Yeah, but. the Meyerowitz stories, which is a Noah Baumbach movie that's worth watching. Yeah, it's a good actor. Also, he clearly loves Star Wars because the Lando Calrissian showed out. Uh, he's dressed like Lando Calrissian. He wears oh, a gold. Yeah. He wears a gold shirt with a black collar. That's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> All right, so we're on board with Adam Sandler. Let's go with the Sandman. Some major uh, happy birthdays, because we've been off for a little while. Happy birthday Tuesday, January 14th, to Carl Weathers, who we've been talking about, and also Lawrence Kasdan. They share a birthday. Nice. Happy birthday Friday, January 17th, to Kelly Marie Tran and James Earl Jones. Big birthday week for Star Wars. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, because clearly based in that uh, Duel of the Fates script, she would have had a a pretty big role, but uh, maybe she could be in the Dominic Monaghan TV show. That'd be cool. I'd be into that. Actually, that's a good idea. Yeah, but her and uh, and Billy Lord. There you go. That's a great series. Yep, and let's uh, need a brute to be their captain. Yeah. Make him an alien. Yeah. There you go. Okay, you're casting a good show. I'm into it. There we go. We just... Let us know your thoughts on Star Wars Episode Nine: Duel of Fates. Also, your thoughts on the first episode of The Mandalorian. We're now re-watching it. Going to go at it week by week and not uh, uh, talk as long as we did tonight, hopefully. No. Uh, any other we won't thoughts? have any other scripts to go over. Well, that's true. Any other thoughts you might have on Star Wars for this week, questions or comments, you can email recorder66 at gmail.com, tweet recorder66podcast. Do I have that right? And uh, I don't know. It's been like a month since we've been I've done also never done the sign off. So sure. Yeah, sure. You just kind of glaze over when I do this <laughs> part. Rate and review on your preferred podcast app. And until we're together again, may the force be with you. <laughs>